hey, great show tonight. That was fucking crazy what you guys did up there. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, do you guys, is this your first year at the Samara Fringe Festival? It is, it, it is. For, nice. you know, long, long-time listeners, first-time performers. Nice, nice, yeah. No, it's always been in the back of my head. I always have these, like, ideas stewing of, you know, putting on a show. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think me and a couple of friends, we saw you guys when you were in Ilian, like, two, three months ago? Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're... Yeah. God, I, like, everyone knows about your guys' improv team. It's, like, insane. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. We, we've made quite a name for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we are um, intent... 33C, just near the river with the White Cloak encampment. A little scary. Um, but, yeah, we would love for you to come to our improv show. Um, we're called Starvin' in Samara. Um, we're kind of not super PC. Um, you you ever watch, like, South Park and Family Guy and think, like, what if we pushed it a little more, you know? Yeah, you know, that, that's, I've always thought we should push that a little bit more. And, like, you know, we're, we're kind of, like, out there a little bit. We have a girl on our team. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, you, you don't, wow, that's, that's great. And so, like, we do, like, puppets, and, you know, yeah, we're not really PC. We kind of make fun of everyone. White Cloaks, the Prophet, Aes Sedai, the people starving in Terrabond. Yeah, we kind of just like to go there, you know? Oh, nobody's safe. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think people are too scared to say it, you know? You know, I think we should just kind of, like, go there with humor, you know? Right, no, no. Yeah, and so we got a show tonight at 7.53, uh, 927, and then we got a morning show before we go back to Gildan at 927 in the morning. Um, here is a flyer. Oh, wow, thank you. Um, oh, is that your girlfriend? Uh, yeah, 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 she came. Sick, she came sick. Yeah. yeah, it's always funny to see women in comedy. You don't oh, see it often. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're breaking ceilings, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, you guys should, uh, totally come to our show, kind of see, you know, kind of see what? What the competition's doing a little bit, you know? Not put, not to put us out there, but just to see what we're doing. Right, right. All right, I'll catch you later, man. Okay, all right. Dalen. <laughs> and help, help, I'm lost. I'm lost, I'm lost. I'm Rand's lost virginity. And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to dissecting and discussing Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. We will be covering chapters... 31 to 35, and we're starting off, Rand's not a virgin. We're starting off with a steamy, loving romance. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, I didn't see this happening. Yeah, I did not see this coming, no pun intended. <laughs> Neither did Rand. <laughs> Neither did Avienda. No, she saw it coming. She saw it coming? The rings in Ruidian. Oh, okay, but yeah. did she see it coming? No, because it was inside. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But, oh, we're crass. We're crass. But I'm excited. Yeah, I we... Know. This is crazy. We have kind of reached the this big moment of uh, Chapter 31, The Far Snows. Rand and Avienda kind of have a closure to this, like, somewhat closure to their white... Doesn't she, uh, like me? She seems to really hate me. And I feel just as dumb as Rand because <laughs> I was so on his side of like, yeah, what's her deal, man? Like, I liked her more getting oh, up to this point. Oh, it is so obvious that she liked I him. I know, and I'm, uh, Rand and I are both just blockheads. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, like kind of going through this, knowing it's coming and knowing what else is coming. I'm kind of like, every time I talked to Eric, it was just like, yeah, she likes him. It's so there, but she's saying it in her ideal way, mm-hmm. you know? And I think she says to Rand, she has made her toe to Elaine now. Right. But yeah, she opens the gateway to Sean Chan. It's a very, um... I have an issue with how many times the women are naked in this set of chapters. Robert Jordan has a weird thing about it. Like naked women, but not necessarily naked men. Yeah, well, also in the sense of, you know, I'll be into sure it makes sense. The IEL team to be very, who cares about nudity. Yeah. It's more the Mogetti and Nynaeve thing where I'm like, mm, oh, right, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a thing. Well, was that one too? Because like... That was a dream sequence a little bit. Yeah. Right? Which I... But it's so yeah. pointed in the women getting naked. Right. Like when Nynaeve and Egwene did their, uh, oh, tests, their test. Yeah. When Moraine and Avienda went to Ruidian. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve and the dream... It's just this constant where it's like, no, I think in the show, Brand should get naked. If it's like, if you are the car, car, and you will stand naked before your people. Mm-hmm. Also, Yosha has a really great butt. He so. does got a good butt. Yes. Uh... Hope Donal has a good butt, too. Yeah. Do we have a... I know this is a little bit more show-stepping and stuff. Do we have a, an Avienda cast yet? I know Supposedly. We've got okay. Supposedly. Nothing official yet. We have Elaine, and we suppo- we might. We might have Viren okay. and either Elida or Lanfear That's cast. right. Yeah, they're kind of looking at that. So, but we... There's a rumor we have an uh, Avienda. We, like everyone else, are just waiting for answers, and you will be the first to hear. I'm waiting for Gaul. Oh, yeah, same here. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I can't wait to see that on screen. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, it's fun separating the show and the, and the, and the story series, yes. uh, the book series a bit, because in the show, it feels like it's heavily implied that Rand and Egwene have been physically intimate. At least, that's kind of what I got. Yeah, and they do fuck in episode one. Exactly. And episode seven. That's very true. So, very much is what it is. There seems to be a little bit more of a, like, freer idea of sexuality in Mm -hmm. the show. The thing with the books is the Two Rivers is so, um, I said, uh, puritanical, almost. Mm. Like, you know, and I think also combinational. Yeah, it's very oaky smoky, like, Mm. no sex before marriage, like... Rand tells the story of that one couple who had sex before they got married and they got, like, their ass beaten. And it's kind of like this, like, all right. Even up to this point, the only romance we've seen Rand kind of into was was Egwene, but that was kind of a more, this is the way it is. Yeah. More than a, you know, I think, like, a very spontaneous, uh, passionate type of love. Yeah. And then we see him with Elaine, which, you know, in previous episodes we've kind of equated to, like, a a summer love. Yeah. Yeah, summer camp love. But this is like this is this, this is the is first a, this is the first time yeah for him and uh, this is a very very intimate experience to have yeah. as as a as a young lad yeah wow <laughs> yes in a se- in in a sex igloo of all places yeah. in Sean Chan of all places I gotta say like as far as you know just it being a, a, a not even a glorified because that feels like I'm digging at it. As far as a sex scene goes, there is so much Wheel of Time-ism around it. Yeah. Which I really dig, actually. Like, I love that there's, like, you know, 
there is the gateway that feels very metaphorical that she goes through and he goes in after her yeah. to pursue her. And then, yeah, there is a fashioning of like this structure and like there's a very young, a very young approach to like, oh, we need to share body heat. Yeah, there was very, it's very much like the fanfic, there was only one dad. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, of course she falls through a lake because she mm-hmm. doesn't know what snow and ice is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love the whole time he's like cuddling her. He goes, don't get hard. Don't get hard. He is in horny jail for the moment. Been like there, he is like cuddling her and just like, so I like men. Oh, fuck. I like a line. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like that dick is like, screaming yep i i mean i i i almost don't have anything as far as like observations or criticisms because i didn't see this happening i thought this right in many of the ways that i keep kind of getting upended and rug pulled robert jordan's things that he sets up are so much faster than i perceive them to be yes i keep thinking it's gonna be a slow burn i keep thinking like oh, okay yeah i'll be end and rand all right they're gonna go through some shit in like in this book, book 10 and then yeah books later will have this moment but no it happens right fucking now in the middle yeah. of this book or or i guess in the last third of this book yeah as it were uh yeah i'm floored and you know what I really liked him and Elaine. I did not expect how happy I would be that he and Avienda are All right. kind of a thing. Because she's... Uh, she, look, she challenges him. She challenges him. She's such a badass. She can hold her own. Not that Elaine and Egwene can't, but she is such a more ferocious, yes. different character in this world that we haven't met before. Right. That I'm just... I I don't know. Like, I'm... I don't have any predictions. I'm just here for the ride on this one. All right. <laughs> We've always said Avienda pegs Rand, so. Oh, big time. She gives him the goblin toe. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have to end this podcast, man. <laughs> Cancel. Well, I've always said Matt tops Rand, but bottoms for Glad. Yes. Or Paris. Scans. Scans. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they fuck, and then it, the camera pans to, like, three hours, a couple hours later. But, like we said, Avienda mentions the rings don't lie. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have our first unanswered question answered of what did Avienda see. Yeah. So she saw that her and Rand were inev- inevitable. They were going to do this. And yeah. she says she has toe to Elaine now because this feels like a huge betrayal. Yeah. You know, where, you know, it's like, yeah. And so we go into chapter... Oh, we're going to the next chapter? Oh, we keep going. I, I just have one thing to say oh, about yeah, this last yeah, yeah. one. It's, it's not like a prediction or an observation. There just is a feeling I have that I love Rand and Avienda, and I think this is going to complicate a lot of these personal relationships down the road. Well, we have Min's viewing of the three women. Mm-hmm. Min, Elaine, and Avienda. It's, it's becoming way, way more transparent of what that means, and... I think, you know, Robert Jordan is a, a male writer, so I think he can write from the perspective of a male way more organically than a woman. Yes. And I think, you know, I you know, as a as a as a, a, a cishet male, mm-hmm. I've been in those positions throughout school of these, you know, either these girls are into me or I'm into these two different girls and Oh, it gets messy. It gets messy when you add in more than one other person. Being gay is fun because you don't get to experience any of that in high school. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thanks a lot. (laughs) It's your (laughs) fault, Eric. I'm just, I remember like, 
you know, before my prefrontal cortex was completed, very much in middle school when we're all just crazy children thinking we're adults, I remember specifically of like, I liked a girl. She didn't like me. A girl liked me that I didn't like. And for her birthday, she wanted me to be her boyfriend. And then a different girl that wasn't even on my radar was into me because she was in the same, like, extended friend group. And it was the worst for me because... like I, I like somebody that didn't like me and then I've got to like feel these so I just I feel yeah. like the feelings that these are all going to bring with characters that we know and yeah. love at this point it's going to get messy that's oh yeah that's what I feel you know Bad Girls Club very that <laughs> <laughs> arranges the cameraman oh my god <laughs> Priscilla <laughs> I brought you breakfast in bed have you seen that <laughs> Priscilla oh, oh it's great god. Um, so anything else on the far snows? No, I'm happy it happened. And you know what? The way it's written was kind of, I I know that like, I know Robert Jordan's writing from a different era as well. Yes. And I am fascinated with love and romance as it is today because of the introduction of porn, honestly, because this was written in a pre-internet age where, you know, I, I, this is almost like a classical writing of romance and very and that, panda camera way. Yeah, exactly. And this way. could have been so much smuttier. This could have been mm-hmm. so much more graphic. But I think I like that we kind of don't get to see it. No, there's so much more that the reader can kind of fill in the gaps for themselves. Yeah. And I kind of love that time elapse of like two to three hours because again, like I, I think with the introduction of porn in the internet age, I think especially for young males, there is a I, I have to achieve orgasm, you know? Yeah. And in this, it feels so much more, like, this feels so much more in the vein of discovery, exploration, yeah. maybe even love. Like, I think, because Rand, we, we've said, he's a, he's a virgin up to this point. Yeah. He, he, I'm sure an ankle excites him. I'm sure there was a lot of, there's a lot of not knowing, which is yeah. kind of a beautiful, like, the way I interpreted it. Because, right. you know, there's two to three hours that we don't know about, so... Yeah. For me, there's just a very lovely... Two to three hours of Fran going, did you come? Did you come? Did you come? Did you come? Are you close? Well, I don't don't know, Rand. You're kind of stuffing a chicken, not rubbing a genie lamp. Like, are you close? Is this it? Is this the clip? Is that the button? But I I just... Did I I do it? I don't know. there's, There's something beautiful about this from the reader's interpretation of it. Yes. I think. And I think this is a very lovely chapter to have that as a reader. Um, so that's, that's all I really have of, I just think it was kind of lovely. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So then we go into something not so lovely with chapter two, a short spear. Yeah. We find out we're in Sean Chan. We are in the nation of Sean Chan. Avienda has gone from Kyrian all the way to Sean Chan. I, I had to flip back to the map at the beginning because I am not a geographical man. Like, yeah. I, I remember, I think in the series, uh, Aragon was the first time I was actually trying to piece the story to where they were on the maps. Yeah. And holy shit, this is like going from like California to outside the States, like to the... To like China. Exactly. Like, yeah, this is like... She went across the ocean. Yeah. So they are in Shanchan and Ran kind of cuts a hole with fire in the igloo and they've been spotted. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of Avienda's because of Avienda channeling and then Rand stopping the gateway. Right. And so they're kind of like, shit. And so they make their way back and they find the gateway surrounded by 
uh, uh, Suldom and Shanchan. And soldiers. up to this point, neither of them have had exposure to the Shanchan. Rand. Did, Rand, did. Rand has in Thalm. Uh, right, and he kind of knows their deal with the callers, that type of power yes. dynamic and everything. Yes. Avienda okay. has had no personal experience, but I feel like Egwene might have told her maybe something about the adults. Okay, maybe some like adjacent knowledge. Yeah. Okay, good. Good, because this is... You know, aside from Falm, this is the first time or second time that Rand is up close and personal. Yeah. And I think this chapter actually covers this a little bit of, like, him, again, coming into his leadership position. Rand is, has found his motto of, I must be hard. Yeah. And you're kind of like... I'm worried a little it, bit. It's kind of like, yes, but, but kind of listen to what everybody is... Like, unfortunately, he doesn't, like, have a... Uh, Fail or Elaine uh, to go yes, to kind of but you have to feel he has the Aiel who are very much like yeah, and he himself is is Aiel. So I think yeah. there's a bit of him getting to his roots that even if it's not like written explicitly, I think there is a personal motivation there to kind of identify with the Aiel. Yeah, it's a very nature versus nurture thing. Exactly. He was raised in the Two Rivers way of. You don't hurt a woman. You are very. You don't know war. You don't know fighting. Mm-hmm. To then be thrown into no, this is your heritage of you are an Aiel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I got nothing else for this chapter except yeah. I, I do think it's very interesting that, uh, you know, when they get through the uh, the gateway. Yeah, you know, he closes it off in like what what to me feels like a very cinematic, cool moment, and like cuts the spear in half. Yeah. And he takes up the spear and, like, keeps it as, yeah. as a scepter. Yeah, as, like, a reminder of, like, the Shan Chan are out there. Yeah, and I think that's such an interesting tool and physical metaphor for him to have. Yes. Because not only is it a reminder of them, it almost feels like him as a character stepping into the the role of, like, a king. Yes. Or a ruler. And I don't know how I feel about that. Because up until this point, there was a very organic... Rand is trying to do the best he can as Rand. But we've kind of seen him transform in this last book into stepping into not just Rand, but what is the Dragon Reborn. Right. And he's starting to identify what that position means. And what is going to come with the territory. Yeah. And And we've seen it with him saying... You know, if you steal, if you do this, I will hang you. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see Rand take an authority role that he's There's new a darkness. To. Yeah. Um, and I believe our, our next book is The Lord of Chaos, right? Yes. So I do think my prediction at this point, knowing that that's coming up, is he is the Lord of Chaos. I thought it was going to be a dark friend. I thought it was going to be, you know, Asmodian getting out or something. Yeah. I think it's Rand. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see the turn of a very dark, rigid, hard man. Yeah. Uh, that's what I That's what I got. You'll have to see. <sighs> but really quick from this chapter, um, he sees that the weave, when they get, they've bound the Sean Chan with air, mm-hmm. um, Avienda, I think, has shielded a couple of the uh, Suldom. Right. And he, Rand sees that he can't see into the room. But it's like gray, and he suspects Asmodian did something. Right. And so when they get back through, he Asmodian tells him, "Look, I had to, I bent the weaves a little bit, bent light, only to protect you, because a couple maidens came in 
and asked after you guys, and I said you were busy, and so we learned that the Maidens of the Spear were underneath Rand's window going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to quote the infamous meme from mm, 2016, fuck her right in the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that one. I, for, I learned it was staged, and my heart broke. Oh, really? It is, yeah. There's it. a behind-the-scenes video of them... Planning it because there was that one and like him in like Halloween mask. Which yeah, where do you can dress? It? I love the um, can you give us some of this? I sure can. You're gonna turn right on here and fuck her right in the pussy. <laughs> the stranglehold that that had. Like, I love watching compilations of like outside world, they're like in Mexico doing like the World Cup. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, right, fuck her right the, in the pussy. One of the guys did it, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, uh, as Modian, I, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. No, because either, either he's telling the truth or he's not. Yes. Well, he talks about, we have gotten one instance of a Forsaken through this entire episode, Semarog. Right. So, um, where is it? Um, Asmodian says he knows of only three people who could stop a gateway like Randon. Semarog, Demandred, who are two Forsaken, and Luce Theron. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rand says, you are going to tell me all that you I haven't asked, or you're going to be grateful that Semarog has you. We have gotten mention of this Forsaken Semarog in 9A's point of view. What we can glean, she likes torture. Yes. And she, do you, like, because we tend to have a singular Forsaken potentially as a threat in each book. Do you think she's kind of the next to come up? A little bit because we we have so many pieces in this pie right now with Forsaken. Like we we have Asmodian, you know, who I really yeah Forsaken, right? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Forsaken. Yeah, who I think is playing a game. Oh I, yeah, I do not for a second trust any of this. We've got Mogedian, mm-hmm. who is already pretty much a big badass of yeah. this book. Oh yeah, and so Simarag is our other one. So of this, the surviving. Forsaken that we have right now are Lanfear, mm-hmm. Asmodian, Ravine, Grendel, uh, wait, hold on, uh, Semarag, hold on, wait, in that, in the, that appear in the book, Samael, Ravine, Mogadian, Lanfear, Grendel, Semarag, Demandred, uh, and Masana. Mm-hmm. And I, that's eight, because the dead right now are Bilal, wow. Agonor, Balthamel, Ishamael, we're missing one. Hold on. I have a notes app. Because mm-hmm. um, I forget the names of the Forsaken. There's oh. so many of them. Um, okay, so Agonor and Balthamel are dead. Ashamael is... Okay, Agonor, Balthamel, Ashamael, and Bilal are dead. So that's... And then we have surviving Lanfear, Samael, Ravin, Mogedian, Grendel, Semarog, Masana, Demandrin, and Asmodian. There we go. Okay. I think, I mean, it's it's hard to say because the books are getting more complex. Yes. You know, I wrote the first three kind of together because they have the same format. I think you could boil them down and either make them all one book or kind of take away a lot of it and just smush it all into one book. Yeah. So it's hard to say if we're getting more players that's going to make it more complex in this book or if we're setting up more shit for later. Yeah. If I'm playing into the Robert Jordan makes things Mm -hmm. a lot more immediate, I think we're going to have more big bads working together or at least for a common goal. And we're going to see that at the end. Okay. That being said, I'm worried about seeing Semarog. 
uh, just with the name dropping and kind of the outside characters being able to like drop what what Zimrog's able to do and shit. I'm worried and I don't know if I have a prediction. I think it's a we've got so much with Mogedian right now. And yeah. I'm so on that. She's so fucking scary. This I wouldn't be surprised if Simrog makes like an appearance in the second to last chapter, the last chapter, and just yeah. royally fucks some shit up and then becomes like the main thing for for the next book. And it's and I think I think we are getting more complex as the series goes yeah. on. So I don't know. If I had to guess, I don't think we're going to get quite an appearance, but I think we're getting the pieces set. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So uh, chapter 32 ends with uh, Avienda leaving and Rand telling Asmodian, um, you're going to tell me two new things that I did not ask you. And one of the things is how to combat Sayadar. Because mm-hmm. he says, how do I fight a woman who can channel? Yep. So... What is that setting up? Who knows? Uh, it's setting up a big showdown between him and Egwene, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they are yeah. going to. I, I'm so worried because <laughs> you know what I'm actually thinking now. What? I thought like Egwene would have to take down Rand in some way, either by killing him or stealing him. I think he's gonna kill her. Mm. I, that's like one of my biggest predictions coming out of this chapter. Of like, I think there's gonna be a showdown between him and Egwene. I don't think he's gonna want to. I think like the insanity is going to take him over or something, or he's going to make a wrong move and accidentally kill her. Okay. I hope I'm wrong, but that's the feeling I have in my gut. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right, so we get to chapter 33, A Question of Crimson. So... A brilliant chapter title, if I yes. think. That, that, like, Crimson in general, like, instead of going with, like, red or blood red. Yeah, crimson I love the specificity. Brilliant word, so I, I just wanted to put that out there. Of, like, this is probably my favorite chapter title in a long, long time. Yes. This is a good chapter. This is, um... We are back with Nynaeve and Elaine. We are back with Tom and Jerry, as we have called that group. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nynaeve ha- is having knives thrown at her by Tom for practice for the circus act. Um, we kind of get, um that Luca wants her to wear a sort of revealing crimson dress that night is like, no, that's for Lan only, but she's getting some pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that through Elaine's meeting with the Gwen and Teleranriad, there's fighting in Kyrian between the soldiers, the Aiel and the Brigands and Andoran soldiers trying to claim the Sun Throne for Morghese, which I think is Ravine kind of... Like pulling the strings and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... I love Nynaeve's reaction to learning what Rand is doing by going, that's not him. Mm-hmm. I think the, she says like the Aiel waste has made him, has worsened whatever is going on with him. Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of nice to have someone on Rand's side a bit. Because with Egwene and Elaine, Egwene's like, he's being arrogant. Elaine's like, no, he's being a king. Versus Nynaeve being like, no, that's not him. This isn't the farm boy I know. Yeah. Like, I think... Rand is going through a transformation and people are seeing that transformation and basically taking that at, you know, face value. But I do think Nynaeve, like, I I think, I think I said earlier, she's starting to climb the ranks for me as a character. And I think this is the big one for me is like, she is the heart and soul of the two rivers. Yeah. She sees through all that bullshit and she sees the heart of her people. Yeah. I think that's what's happening now. And, you know, if anyone's going to save Rand, I think it's, I mean, I don't know, like, out of everyone that they've traveled with, I think it'd be Nynaeve. Nynaeve is the only one stubborn enough to really fully do something about it. Exactly. Like, it's not going to be Matt. It's not going to be Perrin. It's not even going to be Egwene. You think uh, Nynaeve is going to kind of be the steadfast? Yeah, and, like, definitely, you know, 
uh, definitely not in a romantic way at all. Oh, no, 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 no. but just, like, that one support system. Exactly. Like, you know, when, even as, like, a troubled high schooler, you know, you have that that favorite teacher that kind of softens you or something through the trials of high school and shit. I I feel like that's Nynaeve's role. She is that fun English teacher. Yeah, (laughs) and I I think, you know, she's going through her own transformation. And hers is different than Rain's. Oh, yeah, this sequence of events Mm -hmm. is... But I have a really funny quote that I love. So we learn a la- um So Nynaeve's new thing is trying to get a boat to Saladar, but she can't remember Saladar. Mm-hmm. She also mentions that Elaine has stopped flirting with Tom. And she says, Yesterday, Nynaeve had congratulated the girl on coming to her senses, and Elaine had coolly replied, Are you trying to find out if I will stand in your way with Tom, Nynaeve? He's rather old for you, and I think you had planted your affections elsewhere. But you are old enough to make your own decisions. I am fond of Tom, as I think he is of me. I look on him like a second father. If you want to flirt with him, you have my permission. But I really did think you were more constant. Elaine is sassy. (coughs) That's sass factor. She's really coming into her own. And this chapter really, for the most part, because um, we learned that... uh, we're, they're on their way to the town of Samara in Gaelden, and we learn that they're s- essentially surrounded by the White Cloaks and the Prophets. Mm-hmm. And Aludra gives Nynaeve some matches, but she calls them fire sticks. Right. And we learn our big thing. Julian says, Galad's in Samara. And my favorite thing is Nynaeve thanks him for the information, and then she like kind of does like a sassy like oh, thanks that's what I need here but then goes no thank you so much and Julian nods and she says uh, his nod was hardly a proper response to graciously offered thanks buddy you need to understand that like this is the first time you've been nice to him in like six months mm-hmm. so again I love her lack of self in, uh, introspection yes no there, there is a bit of a blind spot <laughs> very much like why are people being mean to me fuck off everyone you know it's like well yeah i think like you know I, I don't think this was intentional i think this is just very much the situation of our podcast but in this block of chapters i think we're finding more personal complications yes you know we've got rand and avienda together and that's gonna complicate those romantic connections and now we've got glad very much closer to elaine than they have been in a long time physically yeah. after everything that's happened I just, I see these, uh, these weaves, if you will, mm. very much twisting in these complicated patterns yeah. where I do have to tip my hat. I do have to give credit where credit is due. Robert Jordan is weaving a very complex story that has yes. now far superseded any fantasy I've read nice. with the people at play and, you know, the players as chess pieces, the moves they're going to make and the way that that affects everyone on the board. Yes. It I is agree. getting so big and so complex. And I will applaud even <laughs> that as a first time reader, uh, I forget some of the people, I forget some of the things that are happening, but every time I'm brought back to it, I go, oh shit, that's right. And this yeah. is about to come to a head. Oh, yeah. And so we kind of catch up with Elaine, who is studying the Adam. Mm-hmm. And we kind of get her a little, like, I'm really interested in making things. And this is a terrain real and all of that. Um, and so this chapter, uh, so Nynaeve tells Elaine where Galad is. And Elaine, and she says, as long as we're near the menagerie, we're fine. Mm-hmm. And so the chapter ends with uh, Nynaeve trying to remember the name of the town. And so we get to a big one. This is a big chapter. Chapter 34, A Silver Arrow. Oh, I love... Overall thoughts on this? I 
I, I have been waiting for a little bit more context and a little bit more content uh, mm. from a hero of the horn. Ooh, yeah. You know? Uh, 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 Brigitte? Brigitte. <sighs> Woo! I'm getting better at the pronunciations, <laughs> man. Uh, I was fucking excited. And yeah. especially because of the, the like, again, I, it's, I have to tip my hat. Yeah, this was such a one-dimensional fantasy. Not up until this point. Like, there's been many points in the the, the series where I've kind of gone like, okay, this has got some very specific shit going yeah. on. The magic system in here is so much more complex than I gave it credit to. Oh my to. god, yeah. And specifically, and I know we're gonna get there, but I like the big highlight of this is like healing through bonding. Yeah. And the warder bond. It made me kind of go, wait, hold on. It flipped everything I knew because I thought a warder had to be like a specific type of man only bonded to an mm, Aes Sedai yeah. only. It's a game changer. It, it it opens the doors to so much. And I think it, it like as character development shows how strong and how much potential there are in these, like the characters we have yes. on. They are so far apart from the White Tower. Yeah, Sedan it is insane. Point. Like yeah. they, they, they are very much anomalies in this weave of this story that yes. I am, I'm getting excited. <laughs> yeah, at what at what the implications are for this and what surprises there are down the road. Yeah, that was the big one for me this chapter. Yes, the bonding. Oh, so fucking cool. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that is actually the next chapter. Oh shit, is it? Yeah. Oh, I must have looped it in. Just Brigitte is like probably she's there. She like as a. Not as a character, she's my favorite, but like as a as an icon in the series. Yes, like the hero of the horn, and like yeah. this, this idea of like in reincarnation, a, and she's back. Yes, such an interesting thing that happens to her, her being literally ripped. Yes, out of that. Th- th- even that has implications of like yes, the dream world and the real world kind of run congruently, but they are so much more intertwined than we thought before. Yeah. So that kind of makes me think of like okay. What does this mean if we do this in the dream world? What does this mean right. for the real world? And what does that mean for the series down the road? Because yeah. we've got a dreamer. We've got a person that, you know, is the first dreamer in a long, long time that can start affecting these things. Yeah. It, it, it makes me, like, curious. It makes me very much, like, <laughs> in anticipation. It also makes me a little afraid because that's a shit ton of power in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And you can affect everything. <laughs> so, um... We get a little bit of um, victim blaming when um, Elaine and Co. are at dinner. Val and Lucas trying to hit on Nynaeve. And Nynaeve says no. And then Elaine's like, stop encouraging it. But anyhow, that's so just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Pro- product of its time under the uh, lens of today's standards. I, I she, book it, a show Nynaeve would have killed Valen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... She wouldn't I, have allowed that shit. And I think that's what I applaud the series for, is kind of, like, streamlining the series as a whole and also kind of updating it through today's lenses a little bit. Yeah. It's it's a really cool thing. Um, I agree. I definitely think it's something that we should uh, talk about a little bit, like, during this podcast, because we should be dissecting the time that this was written and the yeah. fact that Robert Jordan is just a, a man doing yeah. his best writing. And there are going to be some shortcomings. Yeah, there are things that mm, don't age well. Exactly. So yeah. They deserve to be acknowledged. Exactly. So Nynaeve goes into Teleren Real later that night, and she meets up with Birgitta and goes, uh, okay, where is Mogedian? Mm-hmm. And we... Ha- she is taken to where Mogedian, Ravine, Samuel, Grendel, and Lanfair are all meeting together. So this is the plan that they have all together. Someone close to Rand is going to die, and they are going to pin it on Samael. So Rand will go to Ilian to find Samael, Grendel, and Lanfear, and Ravine all linked. 
so they can take Rand down. So we don't get to hear any further because Brigitte leads Nightwave back to the uh, menagerie where Mogedian appears and goes, hey, surprise bitch, <laughs> thought you seen, yeah, surprise bitch, thought you seen the last of me, and knocks uh, Brigitte aside and begins to torture Nightwave, saying, here's what's going to happen. Um, you are, I'm going to com- compulse, give you, put you under compulsion. You're going to come to Teleranriad and you're going to take the form of a horse and you will have all of your memories, but you will be my horse. And you're going to do the same with Elaine. And it is this awful, like she says to Nynaeve, I'm starting to become like Semarog a little bit. So that's again, that like, uh, who is Semarog? What the fuck? But you get this like sort of dread of like who's Semarov? Oh my mm, god! No, there's a lot of power building, a lot of anticipation of yes. like, okay, these people are bad. We got someone way badder yeah. behind the curtain. Oh yeah. Um, and I do think like anytime it's brought up, I feel like I gotta say it. Compulsion scares the fuck out it of me. It is awful. The idea of your free will being taken away and you being compelled to do something that you would never do by another uh, entity is just very, very. Oh, it gives me the shivers. Uh, yeah. th- that is a dark, dark thing. <laughs> and then, so, um, she is compulsing Nynaeve to do all that when Brigitte's arrow saves her. Mm-hmm. And um, it is at that moment that Brigitte is then, I don't know the mechanics, but she is taken from the dream world and put into the real world right and kind of what i got from it and like i i could reread this this was very much in the slew of uh 10 chapters and stuff (laughs) i kind of identified it again as like stuff that happens in the dream world can affect the real world right you know some things are stronger than others and we have the hero of the horn you know firing this arrow in the dream world and there's something that represents that character so much of that action of firing the arrow yes um that, yeah, just absolutely pierces through. And I think we're going to get some more of that down the line of how the dream world interacts with the real world. Yeah. And I don't know if it's totally tied with Brigitte being a hero of the horn and being that iconic, that big in status, or if it kind of works all the way around. Yeah. But, yeah, she gets brought into the real yeah, world. Yeah, she is taken out of that cycle, and that is something that really fucks with Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. And we see it in the next chapter, but then we don't get a chance to process because then we switch to Leandrin. Yeah. So Leandrin is in Amador. She is in the house of the Lord and the Lady that she kind of said, fuck you, our Black Aja's house now. So Leandrin is Queen Clown. Yeah. Because she attacks Mogedian in a weakened, in a weak, quote-unquote, weakened state. And Mogedian is an Aes Sedai of the Second Age when they were so much more powerful and fucking forsaken. And she shields Leandrin with a weave so complex. She's like, good luck finding someone to untie that. But that's not even the worst part. She says to um, Leandrin, you thought you had learned something of compulsion. Mogedian went on. I will teach you a bit more. For an instant, Leandrin shivered. Mogedian's eyes filled her, filling her vision as the woman's voice filled her ears. Her entire head, live. The instant passed and sweat beaded on Leandrin's face as the Chosen smiled at her. Compulsion has many limits, but a command to do what someone wants to do in their innermost depths will hold for a lifetime. You will live however much you think you want to take your life, and you will think of it. You will lie weeping many nights wishing for it. Um... 
and I think there's a little bit more, but uh, she says, you will live not stilled, but knowing you could channel again if only you found someone to untie your shield. And we, it is, here's the thing. Mogedian is starting to come out as a horrifying Forsaken. Mm-hmm. Probably really, the strongest we've seen, I yeah. think. Yeah. While Lanfear has just kind of been off to the siding, what Grendel does with the people, like the people she mm-hmm. compulsed, that's scary, but we're seeing someone like Mogedian be so out there and just kind of like really being a more active threat than life yeah. and Grendel. Well, a little bit like vindictive. There's a, there's a yeah. certain joy she takes in, in this type of pain. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like being like Semarog. However, it's no, that brutal, like you're going to keep living. That has some far reaching implications where I think I'm going to feel sorry for Leandrin in the next couple of books Oof. or even in the next couple of chapters. Because, like, she hasn't been very... She's not a likable person. Even in the show, my God. Oh, well cast and well performed. Like... Definitely gave us, like, our our, our bad person to root against. Yes. Um, do you have any predictions of kind of where Leandrin is going to go? Do you think she'll find someone to heal her? Man, I, I see this in so many different ways. Like, I, I literally see, like, three different avenues where this could kind of wind up. And I don't have a hard this is going to happen. But I see this. Okay. I either see, because I think it's very peculiar that Leandrin took a swing at uh, at uh, Mogedian yeah. at that point. Uh, you know, I think that was very much a motivation of power. Get rid of this powerful person so yes. I can be powerful. I'm wondering, and I don't believe this, I'm not actually convicted in this, but it is in the back of my head. What if this is almost like a... Um, and I'm sorry for the Harry Potter reference. I really need to read more fantasies so I have more references. But I'm wondering if it's almost like a Snape-esque, she's bad, but her intentions are actually good. And even she believes in, like, you know, her doing this. Is I can kind of shut that down, homegirl. It does I not have think to be. I don't think so. No. Again, like, I, I just, I believe in, like, the complexity of characters right. now in this. And, I, like, I could kind of see a turn like that happening. I don't actually believe it. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a power play of, like, she is a dark friend. And yes. I think she's dedicated to her own ascension of power. Yeah. I think that's limited because we've seen how powerful these other individuals are. Just raw power are stronger than Leandrin. I think what's going to happen, I think she's going to be a tool used by either like Rand, Egwene, or Nynaeve that are going to come into knowing that she's been compelled to live mm. and they're going to use that against her in some kind of way. Interesting. I, I think there's almost going to be like a good side using Leandrin in such a way that the good guys aren't good anymore, in yeah. my opinion. They're, they're, they stand for good, but the way like that the they're achieving gray. this, exactly. Yeah. The way that they're achieving that is bad. Um, okay. so, so I definitely do think this is definitely a seedling that's been planted. And her story, I thought very much was, you know, I've kind of identified as like, good, bad, and complications. Yeah. I thought she was a complication. I think she's officially, like, kind of risen up in the ranks of, like, key bad person that's going to be intertwined with good people. Okay. Um, Very like a Zula. Exactly. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Whether we figure out if she unlocks that weave, I don't know. And I think... I think I I will predict this. I will predict this. Leandrin is going to get at the end of her rope in some way, that when that weave is undone, she is going to commit suicide. Mm. I think she is going to be put through so much that her ultimate end is going to be at her own hand. Yeah. As far as, like, relief and getting out of that is. Well, because, like, how we leave her is not exactly great, because Mogedian tells one of the Black Sisters uh, to mail that 
you are going to, like, Leandrin is now going to serve the lady and the lord of the house as kind of like their scullery maid. And Tamail is to soften Leandrin. And the chapter ends with, uh, well, Leandrin says, like, we can take her, all three of us. And Chesmal and uh, Tamail are like, no, girl, you flew too close to the sun. Mm -hmm. And the chapter ends with uh, Tamail and Leandrin alone and Leandrin screaming before Tamail can even start. And I think if I remember correctly, she was kind of Leandrin's closest ally yeah. in this. Like, I mean, Leandrin headed the Black Aja. Uh-huh. And that so, was kind of her second in command and stuff. So I think we get a bit of a thematic point here of there are no friends in the darkness. Absolutely. There's only power and ascension. Yeah. Uh, so it's getting dark. And I like it because we're getting some of these more mature themes, kind of these, these you know ways of going about it that make me kind of go, I'm so happy I don't live in this world. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, I think Leandrin's got a long road ahead of her, and I think it's going to be a long road of pity from the reader. Yeah. Poor girl. Yeah, I feel bad, but at the same time... You do clownery. Yeah, play dumb games, win dumb prizes. Yeah. So now we get to our last chapter, Ripped Away. Yes, and this is, yeah, this is where I was clowning. Oh. Yeah, so Elaine is vibing. She's like, I don't have anything to read or all that. But then she starts seeing Nynaeve sobbing. And she's kind of like, I don't know how to wake her up because nothing really works. Right. Nynaeve wakes up and goes, she's dead. I've killed her. And before we can get even further, Tom and Julian come to the door with a naked Birgit who is barely alive. And they're like, oh my God, holy shit. And so none of them can heal really well. But Elaine kind of goes, I watched two boarders getting bonded. This is my last desperate attempt, and we get our first female warder. It's insane. Again, it's it is in, it's insane because it flips everything I thought I had assumed. Yes. Because um, that's what it is. It's, it's my assumptions being broken and going, oh, I actually don't know the rules of this because... I always thought the bonding was a very specific Aes Sedai to male warder companionship that happened because the warder had to have some type of resilience, some type of ability to withstand that type of bonding. Like, there's something special about a warder. And, I mean, who's more special than a hero of the whole? Yeah. Like, damn, if you're going to have a warder, it's Uh going to be Birgitta. And not only that, now you have this, this, like, forced relationship like not 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 like force but there's there's this connection now yeah and that's going to be explored and that's going to be like okay we've kind of gotten like little hints and little like snippets of what it is to be bonded you know like uh land and moraine like i think give us the most light about that yeah i feel what she feels or you know the ice die can kind of shield themselves from that bond but not vice versa so I don't know what this means, <laughs> but I do love Brigitte. It's very exciting. Um, no, but it's a very interesting shift in everything. I feel like with the Wonder Girls and everyone else, things are changing a yeah. lot. Well, and they're breaking some of the institutional rules. Like, they are breaking some of the standards. They're they're taking chances and kind of breaking the traditions. Just how badass she is and how much, like, I think even, like, in The Great Hunt, man, you're blowing up up dude who is texting you wow no Brigitte's a very interesting character and we'll get to this in the next episode because of we kind of get somewhat of the fallout of Brigitte being taken away we know Nynaeve feels 
immense of guilt of ripping a hero of the horn. Someone who essentially, you're immortal. Mm-hmm. You will just keep living for the rest of your, like, as long as the wheel of time turns. Now mortalized. Yeah. Not now it's like if she dies, She's that's done. it. Yeah. It brings all kinds of implications. I think it also opens the door into what I've been interested in to this point of like, what is the history of the ages? What is, what has happened before this age? And we've gotten glimpses of it. Yeah. You know, we've seen Rand kind of seen through time and stuff. Yeah. But now we have a person that's lived through the ages. Yeah. Kind of here front and center. Because what we know is the first age is the age you and I are living in now. Mm -hmm. The second age is a sort of future where like utopia yes yeah. and then that ends and we're now in the third age mm-hmm. and so what goes beyond the fourth fifth sixth and seventh we don't know all we know is that these ages have be, been spun through the wheel with variations here and there mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i i'm th- this was a thrilling bunch of chapters for yes. me and um in a book that was very much felt like a character piece than yeah. like a plot piece, which I'm thankful for. I, I think we're getting to some of the plottier stuff in a way that breaks from format yeah. from the previous books. We're getting these pieces, we're getting these mechanisms that are now in motion that have big, far-reaching implications and ripples into the next couple of chapters, couple of books. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think the most brilliant part about this grouping of chapters is, yes, we have these individuals that are breaking tradition, that are doing, I've never done this before, not only individually, but no one to our knowledge so far has done this. Yes. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see the fallout, especially if and when they ever get to Saladar or the Elidus Tower hears of it. And that's just it. Like, I mean, you've got this institution of, you know, standard and tradition, and you've got these people kind of breaking that and i think we're seeing like a breakage overall because i i think like what, what are they are they called like wilding wild uh wilders yeah wilders of like people that can channel but aren't part of the tower or yeah st- or yeah yeah we're, we're, we're seeing like i think the institutions are breaking down yeah more and more and i'm curious and i think to that's s- coming with the dragon of the third age is coming to mm-hmm. an end you know and i'm kind of wondering what that means for our other organizations like Will the White Cloaks stay organized? Because they've got dark friends in their ranks and they've got players that have their own personal motivations. And, I mean, we've got the two rivers kind of under Perrin's command. And what does that mean for them coming up? And are they going to become, like, their own empire? Or I've got so many questions. And (laughs) I have answers I can't give. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think this is a good place to end this episode because... We're kind of left on a Mogedian knows where they are now. They know she knows, thanks to Chesmal Emery, they're in Gaeldon in a menagerie. Not specifically which one, but she's there. But it narrows it down. Yeah. And the chapter ends with uh Nynaeve kind of like, I need to go for a walk. So and poor girl. And so do I. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to thank you all for coming out. If you hung out with us on our Discord server. Um, thank you for coming out. And if you're listening to the clean and polished version, come join us on our Discord server. The link is in our bio. Uh, Eric, where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us at loyal underscore s on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Anchor. Yes. And those are the big ones. Yeah, right? those are the yeah. big ones. Anywhere you get your podcasts. So yeah. 
catch up with us because we're approaching the end of Fires of Heaven soon and we have a little special fun after for our one year anniversary and we're also going to tackle Stormfront. May you always find water and shade. And may you always lose your virginity. Alright, you guys have a good one. <laughs>